Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. That was the House of Representatives doing the Pledge of Allegiance. For what purpose is the gentleman from Louisiana? I think that's I think it's pretty impressive. I mean, look at them all having a conversation, uh, uh, agreeing on something. It's just, it's just too much to believe. This is all prologue, people. They are about to engage in a vote for the Speaker of the House. And it will not be you, Patrick McHenry, who is the Senate pro tem. No, it will be Jim Jordan. Or maybe not. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony 833-468-8669 that's how you get to be a part of the show there are still some no votes on Jim Jordan but there's been a lot uh, according to the the sources there have been a lot of phone calls to Capitol Hill there have been a lot of pressure put on um, by uh, the uh, the grassroots activists I don't I don't know if that's true. That's what they say. Oh, they've melted the phones. I don't know if they melted the phones or not. I don't know. But clearly, Jordan has been able to get some people to turn towards his side. But there are five so far definite no votes. Carlos Jimenez out of Florida. Mike Lawler out of New York. They're going to vote for Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy, however, is voting for Jordan. Then you've got, remember, McCarthy was a speaker before he was removed as speaker for in a move that did absolutely no good for anyone anywhere at all. Nothing came from it. We are not better off because McCarthy was removed. That's simply not true. Because here we are, here we are at a vote for speaker, and we don't know. We 150% do not know if Jim Jordan has the votes. You don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. <laughs> You're going to need congressional approval and you don't have the votes. No plan. No plan. Please don't tell me that this is all good. Am I upset with the idea of a Jim Jordan speaker? Gosh, no. No, I'm fine with it. The left is very upset with it, so I I guess I'm cool. Right? That's a good barometer. It was the... uh, it was it was Jamie Raskin. They went to Jamie Raskin and said, "How he's a Democrat, uh, progressive. He was one of the guys who was part of the uh, whole I- impeachment uh, circus, and he is a guy who opposed uh, Trump being president so much so that he challenged the election results in 2017." Well, what can we do about Speaker? Well, we can come to a consensus candidate. Oh yeah, like who? Uh, Hakeem Jeffries. He's a man of his word. Oh, Hakeem Jeffries would be a fine Speaker of the House. Well, who else? Uh, Liz Cheney. Could you imagine Republicans not being okay with Liz Cheney? This was considered real smart um, uh, political thinking. Uh, That was Jamie Raskin. Good Good on him. So there are five no's, right? Jimenez and Lawler, Mike Kelly and Maria diaz Bilart. Kelly is out of Pennsylvania. Bilart is out of Florida. 
They're voting for Scalise. And then there's Congressman Don Bacon, who will not move in any way, shape, or form. He is going to back uh, Scalise. He is not voting for Jim Jordan. Well, okay. You can can lose those votes and still win. I think you can give those up. Yeah, I think you'd be, wait, 217... I think I think you're okay. I think you'd be right there. Well, this brings us to some other members of Congress. You've got John Rutherford of Florida and Ken Buck of Colorado. Um, these guys are not in the camp of Jordan. Uh, Rutherford's going to protest to the effort that led to McCarthy's removal. Buck is angry with Jordan for refusing to say that former President Trump lost the 2020 presidential election. Oh, holy hell. Just, just ridiculous. Then there is Representative uh, Marionette, I believe I pronounced her name right, Marionette Miller-Meeks out of Iowa. She doesn't like being pressured into voting for Jordan. She thinks that she's getting a bunch of that. Then you've got some who are like, we don't know who we're going to vote for. These are people just trying to get a little something for themselves. Nah, the name you got to look for is Victoria Sparts of the Indiana 5th District, my member of Congress. She'll vote against Jordan if he, if he does not have the votes to win, but she would vote, maybe vote present if he reached the 217 vote threshold to win. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that means. That is that is not taking a side. That is not taking a position. That's that's just weird. I don't know what to do with that. And I've had many a conversation with 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 Congresswoman Sparts. She she's intense, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, but usually for a purpose, I don't know what this is. At this stage of the game, she had voted to ensure that there could be a vote on the motion to vacate. And then she voted against vacating Speaker McCarthy. Now, well, I'll vote this way if this or that way if that. Basically, I don't want to be somebody who decides here. You're a member of Congress. You have to decide. It's part of the gig. Sometimes it'll be unpopular. Sometimes you'll have to say so. But you didn't want to have any... Um, you didn't want to have any say on, on the on the first go-around. Like, like you could have stopped this, this motion from happening, but you didn't want to. Then you voted to keep the guy. Now nothing. It's... I think she's put herself in, in, the, in the awkward place of being dismissed by the party for the rest of her term. Remember, she is not running for re-election. So do, will this happen? Will Jordan be the speaker? Well, I'm going to bring it to you live. And when they start voting, we're going we're gonna to listen. We're going to go through every part of it. We go, oh, yeah. Oh, we're going to grab our bourbon and we're going to be a part of the thing. It's going to be awesome. I don't know what's going to happen. I have absolutely no idea what's going to go on here. 
But I, I, if it's not Jordan, well, then pick somebody else. I still go back to Patrick McHenry. Why not this dude? Why not this McHenry dude? You need the appropriations bills out. You need to figure out what you're going to do regarding Israel. You need the border policies going. Then, you know, once you get those three things handled, replace them again. But you don't have much time in the appropriations bills. You got to get this thing done. You are will be the ones held as being intransigent or lost or confused or whatever they want to say because you don't have a speaker. Once you have a speaker, you can throw the rest on them. And so you should. Would I like somebody who uh, who fights? Would I like somebody who punches? Would I like somebody who takes no prisoners? Yes. I don't know if I'm going to get it. So we're going to watch. We're going to see how this takes place. Right now, they're just doing the simple quorum. Simple call of the house. Then we'll get into it. And when they do, I will bring it to you. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. I will have much more to say about what's going on in Israel. The latest uh, Joe Biden's visit to Israel that is uh, coming uh, tomorrow. But there's a, a, an important point that you've already noticed. But sometimes it gets said better by others. That even happens to me, which is shocking, but true. This was Charles C.W. Cook over in the pages of National Review. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Always a pleasure. It was all stuff and nonsense, wasn't it? All that talk of hate speech and accountability culture and systemic oppression and the need to ensure that everyone in the community feels safe at all times. It was all guff, flotsam, baloney. About 15 minutes passed between the news of the atrocities committed by Hamas and the crumpling of the progressive creed. Rarely has Jetsam looked so vile. Uh, that, that is a nice bit of writing right there. That's a nice turn of phrase. But what is he talking about? He's talking about the idea that the political left want to tell us about decency every single step of the way. The political left wanted to tell us about what was good and pious. The political left wanted to tell us about how they were kind and loving and decent. And yet the minute Israel was attacked by a terrorist organization... All of a sudden, Israeli lives didn't matter. All lives mattered. All of a sudden, what do you mean believe all women about being raped? Whoa, you can't say that about, about Hamas. All of a sudden, every creed fell apart. Because everything they ever said was a total lie. And that's exactly what Marxism is. Every part of what we're watching, from Black Lives Matter to the Me Too movement, everything you can imagine, is all part of you not being able to say anything or do anything while being accused of X, Y, or Z, while they do A, B, and C. Marxism is built to try and cripple the mind so that they can move forward on their agenda. 
What do you think Rules for Radicals is all about? Pick the target, personalize it, freeze it, and polarize it. Ridicule is man's most potent weapon. The struggle sessions. Tony, why can't you say it's wrong to kill children? I've gotten a bunch of those uh, texts. Well, it's wrong to kill children. Well, then why can't you condemn Israel? Why are they killing children? Oh, I get it. You're a moron. As a matter of fact, as we discussed yesterday, Gad Saad is very correct. If you know his work, uh, The Parasitic Mind being one of his books, uh, you are witnessing something called AOC. No, not, not her. Amnesia of causality. Because look at how everybody is discussing what's happening. It's about Israel's oppression of Gaza. Israel is keeping water from Gaza. Israel's keeping electricity from Gaza. Israel is killing children. Is no one going to mention the fact that 1,400 Israelis were murdered? No one? We forgot all about that. Oh, this is totally understandable because Hamas has been dealing with this for, for years, and it's just a response. You see, this is what Israel gets for being an occupier. Israel has not been in Gaza since 2005. Well, you see, you understand that they, they stand around the outside and they have all these fences. It's like an open-air prison. First, there are borders, and secondly, if it is an open-air prison, that means Hamas is the warden. Can't we at least agree that Hamas is the enemy? Hamas are nothing more than resistance fighters. Why do you have to paint them with such a brush? They're fighting for the freedom of their people. They ripped the sewer lines out of the ground so the people in Gaza wouldn't have clean water and wouldn't be able to move the crap out. Literally. They did so so they could use the tubing and the pipes to build rockets and rocket launchers. Well, they're just fighting because of the oppression of Israel. What oppression are you talking about? They have been offered a two-state solution repeatedly going back to 1948. Then you can go back to the deal with, with Yasser Arafat and that he rejected. What now do you suggest? Well, clearly Israel's the problem. Everything they say is to push the idea that Israel should go away and that Jews should die. That's what chanting from the river to the sea means. And for those people who get upset with me for noting that there are no pro-Palestine rallies happening in America, that's what they call them. They're all pro-Hamas rallies. Oh, and they get angry with me. This is me saying, I don't give a damn. I'm right, and you're a useful idiot. You are backing a philosophy that comes for you as well. Why do you think that somehow and in some way you'll be okay when this is all said and done? Why, why is that? I watch Jews uh, go and protest. We need a ceasefire right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, Corey Bush, uh, the liar behind Hands Up, Don't Shoot in Ferguson. Yeah, that fraud. Uh, she's working with uh, Jew hater Rashida Tlaib and Jew hater Andre Carson uh, to call for an immediate de-escalation and ceasefire in Israel and Palestine. Am I supposed to give Andre Carson credit that over a week later he finally mentions Hamas and condemns them for the atrocities? while at the same time condemning Israel for the atrocities? Congressman Andre Carson doesn't live in the real world. He lives in a fantasy bigoted world. Um, he's a bigot. 
so we're clear. And I, I, I wonder if, if, so he's the district just south of, of me, right? So that's Indianapolis. I'm north of Indianapolis. He's Indianapolis the seventh. And I wonder if people finally figured this out. I wonder specifically if the Jewish community that used to invite him to everything has finally figured out that this guy hates you. This guy supports Hamas over you. Well, Tony, I just want to do away with the violence. What, 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 what violence do you think you're going to do away with? If Israel does not, at this moment, destroy Hamas, this will happen three years from now. So once every three years, Israel can afford to lose 1,400 people? Once every three years, is, is it like your version of the purge? Hamas can just go about raping women, and that's cool. Kidnapping babies and the elderly, that's cool. That's fine by you, Congressman Carson. I'm just saying you're putting both sides in there. They're just atrocities on both sides, and it has to stop. We need a ceasefire. No, we need a cease Hamas. Hamas is ISIS, which I, I've started referring to as Hamasis. I don't know if it's going to. I don't know if it's going to stick. I'm not really good at at, at, at nicknames, you know. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not really a pro at that action. But they are. Hamas is ISIS. It's Hamasis. These people are barbarians. They showed it to you. They weren't trying to hide anything. They showed you video. They showed you video where they would take dead Israelis and then take a stick and poke out the eyes of dead Israelis. I saw it. You want to tell me it didn't happen? Feel free. But uh, then again, you'd also be crazy because it all happened. All the barbarism happened. And Hamas has to go. You realize that when Hamas is gone, the people of Gaza, they have a chance at a better life. And then there's the whole conversation of what you do with the refugees. I I will get into that for for sure. But as Charles Cook points out very, very well, everything that the left told us is a lie. Remember when they said silence is violence? How many people silent now about the atrocities of Hamasis? How many... Leaders not saying a word. How about the idea that neutrality is complicity? Well, we're not going to take a position. We're going to blame both sides. Right. That's Congressman Andre Carson saying that what Hamasis did is fine. It's what he's saying. They can't take the moral stand of this is disgusting. They can't say Israel has the right to exist. Because on the political left, as we have seen for years, going back to their own uh, DNC events where they would not recognize Israel, they didn't want to recognize Jerusalem, they, 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 this happened repeatedly. They hate Jews. The Democratic Party is lousy with anti-Semites. Don't get me wrong. The Republicans can't figure out how to vote for a speaker. They've got their own issue. But the Democratic Party is lousy with anti-Semites, accepting of anti-Semites, and welcoming of anti-Semites. Everything that the left told us about decency is a lie because they never planned on being decent. They just wanted to shut you down. Israel has the right to exist. Hamasis is a terrorist organization. I'm Tony Katz. 
Regardless of whether or not we have a speaker, regardless of war in the Middle East or war in Ukraine, regardless of the southern border, my goodness, regardless of Taylor and Travis, this economy still makes no sense. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The phone number 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony. Retail sales up 0.7%. The estimate was 0.3%. If you exclude autos, sales were up 0.6. The forecast was 0.2. What does it mean? Well, what I think it means is that this economy isn't slowing down, but this economy isn't good. So does that mean interest rates go up? That's where I start to lose my mind. Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist at the University of Indianapolis. And I, I, I reach out to you because this number says to me, that everything being done to try and cool the economy down isn't working. But if sales are up, that means that people are buying, and isn't that a good thing? Break it down for me. <laughs> well, first of all, i got to tell you, I'm surprised that the economists out there, the classical economists, are surprised by this. This is completely predictable. i got to tell you, there's no surprise to me in this as a financial economist. So let me tell you why. First of all, this number is not adjusted for inflation. So you're looking at a number, and when you compare it to the inflation rate, we learned last week that inflation is hot. And so if inflation is hot, this number is going to be hot. So that's completely consistent. In fact, year over year, this number is 3.8%. Inflation is 3.7%. So I see nothing inconsistent with what this information is providing to us. So that's one. And let let me jump into the second. We've talked about this before, you and I. People are still spending their savings. They're not out of pandemic era savings yet. And that is what's happening. Over half of, well, nearly half, 49% of families have less or no savings than they did last year. So we're still digging into our savings to keep up with inflation. So this should be no surprise to anyone. Let's go back to that first part. These numbers, uh, 0.7 for the month, is not adjusted for inflation. Define what that means. That means that this is one of those reports where they just report the actual number. So it is with inflation built in. So if you have inflation, let's say at half a percent, and this number were at 0.4, this number lost ground. So this is one of those numbers that is not adjusted for inflation coming out of the Department of Commerce. So if... You had mentioned 3.8 and 3.7, which would mean sales aren't up overall? They're, they're adjusted for inflation year over year. This month, yes. But year over year, they're the same. What does that then tell you as a financial economist? That this is, not that, this is nothing to brag about. Yes, the consumer is spending money. That is true but they're barely keeping up with inflation and they're spending their savings. This is nothing to write home to grandma about. Don't get excited about it. People. So they're not spending money because they want to. They're spending money because they have to. And but you brought exactly. up exactly. But you brought up something else there. You're telling me that even now at the end of 2023, October of 2023, people are still going through covid savings. Yes, we are not through it yet. The department, uh, I forget the government agency that released the information just earlier this month, 
so that we are not yet through all the government money that was handed out because people didn't have anything to buy. So they just stockpiled this cash and they've been spending their savings at a very alarming rate, so much so that one third of all Americans have more credit card debt than cash on hand. So they're spending their savings, they're putting on the credit card. Not a rosy scenario. Is this why, talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, is this why when we were talking about the, the, the futures right before the market opened, I'll get to, to where the numbers are later, uh, when you look at the futures, they went down. They, they were, they were in, the, in, the, in the negatives when this information came out. The, the market looks at this and says, yeah, there's, there's, things are not, this is more proof that things are not great here. Yes, this is exactly what I started off our conversation by saying. The classical economists are saying one thing. We financial economists see it completely different. We know better. We know that people are spending savings. We know that this is not an inflation number, adjusted number. Not impressed, people. Not impressed. Uh, let me move you over to a more geopolitical front. You have the continued uh, action and, and war in Ukraine, where Russia continues to try and make advances, and Ukraine continues to hold the line. This is very much a trench warfare situation at this stage of the game. And then, of course, you have the terrorist attack on Israel by Hamas. You have the response by Israel to try and root out Hamas in, in Gaza. Uh this this is now two fronts of, let's call it World War, even though we don't mean it like that. I just don't have a better word for it right now, but, but go with me. Two fronts that the world is paying close attention to. Is this a moment for the market to say, oh, this is going to create issue because this is going to create more spending because this is going to create more inflation? Or is this one of those moments of war is great for the economy and could get us really uh, get, get us going in a good direction? Why is it possible that it can't be both? Because I believe actually both are likely to occur. I need you to get a little more uh, extemporaneous, if you will. <laughs> both. Well, yes, it, it's possible that the government will spend money because of the two wars and to, to, to restockpile us for the next war, maybe with uh, China in Taiwan. And so that is causing, that will cause inflation. The military industrial complex, hey, my dad's a retired military person. I'm a fan of the military. But the industrial complex wants the government spending. They want you to buy their weapons. And so that can juice the economy just like it did in World War II. So you can have a juiced economy and also have inflation. You can have a juiced economy where things are moving and also have inflation where things cost more. And this is rational. Oh, OK. It makes sense. It's possible. But it's illogical in this world that we live in because we don't want the government controlling the economy like that. That's not what we want. You and I have said this before, and I've said it many times. We don't want to look to Washington every day. We want the Wall Street Journal to simply report on what's happening in business. I mean, how many people know J&J had an incredibly good earnings season? We don't know because the terrorists are attacking Israel. We don't know that there's earnings uh, hits on Goldman Sachs that was well above expectations because we're too busy looking at geopolitical uh, situations. This is a problem that we're looking in the wrong place for the economy. 
Well, I'm taking a look now at the 10-year Treasury note, that benchmark by which we set uh, the 30-year fixed mortgage. And the minute this information came out about the spending report, it popped uh, going yeah. uh, 4.8 uh, in, into the 4.8s. It didn't hit 4.85 well at the, at the first, but it immediately jumped into the 4.8s. And I got to assume that the 5% 10-year Treasury note is not far behind. Yes, yes. Tony, you and I have been talking about this. This is exactly what's happening. This is no surprise. The market is reacting like I'm reacting. They're, they're not talking to you because they're too busy trading. But we know that inflation is here. We saw it because it's in this unadjusted number, which tells us there's probably inflation driving it. We see the government's going to be spending a lot of money, so there's more anticipated inflation. And the 10-year Treasury reacted, and the market futures were down. This is totally consistent. Why these theoretical economists in the ivory tower are clueless? Well, because they're clueless. Now, you talk about uh, Johnson & Johnson having good earnings. LinkedIn, owned by Microsoft, just laid off 700 people. So, again, we get these remarkably conflicting messages here. Uh, about about where we're at and, and where we're going. The idea that, oh, yeah, it's a war on two fronts. It's good and it's bad. Who knows? I mean, that's, that is no way to run an economy, sir. Yes. And the government, I, I guess I can get away with saying this, and the government is screwing it up. They're the ones that are sticking their nose in the economy and messing it up. If it worked for them, things would probably be going very well. They get to cut their spending they need to get their regulation under control. We need to be energy independent. There's so many things the government can do to just get their nose out from underneath the tent. Let's talk energy independence real quick, because we have discussed the amount of energy oil leases and gas leases that this administration has cut on, under Joe Biden. It was a day one activity when he became president. But as we read the reporting we're in the middle of an oil boom. We're putting out more energy than ever before uh, in, in terms of what we already have. So which one is it? Okay, it, it, there's not a conflict there. You can have increased supply, which we do, because the economy is constantly growing. The population is constantly expanding. You must have increasing energy production because you have increased demand. It's not inconsistent to say we have more energy than we did three months ago or six months ago or two years ago. But if it weren't for the Biden policy, that number would be dramatically higher and we'd be producing more than we're using because that's the real equation, not how much we're producing. We're actually using a lot more than we produced. That wasn't the case three years ago. It seems to me that bourbon is in order. That's, (laughs) That's my take. There's no following this. There's no making sense. How in the world is somebody investing in this nonsense? That's a good question. And can you believe it? We're the last place in the world to invest because all the other places in the world, the government has already messed things up. And so investors run to the U.S. and now the U.S. is getting messed up. I talked about this in 2015 with the Greek situation. It's a contagion that will spread to the U.S. eventually if we don't stop it. We haven't stopped it. It's here. And we're the last stalwart. There's nowhere else to go. No one else to bail us out. Dr. Matt Will, he's a little ray of sunshine. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you being with us. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Uh, no. When 
The Mississippi River floods devastated the South and communities across state lines needed Congress to act. He said no. When our veterans were suffering from disease and dying as a result of their service to our country and Congress passed a bipartisan solution, he said no. Wow, Democrats really don't like Jim Jordan. He's still a better choice than Hakeem Jeffries, though. I mean, that's just it. He's he's a better choice. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Uh, you had Elise Stefanik of New York nominating Jim Jordan. You have uh, Pete Aguiar of California, Democrat, nominating Hakeem Jeffries. Jim Jordan's an election denier, like Jamie Raskin. Uh, Jim Jordan is an insurrectionist. Don't even know what that means. Uh, Jim Jordan voted. Here's his whole uh, legislative calendar. Here's what he's voted on. Oh, and he's opposed to abortion. Yeah, so is half the country. Can I help you? Stop thinking that you own this subject. Super weird. Half the country is opposed. They are. Now, what you'll find is when you dig a little bit deeper... They want to have an exception for this. They want to have an exception for that. That's what they want. But they don't want what you want. People singing their abortion and infanticide, like the former governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam. You people sing your abortion. You're totally weird. You're fetishists about it. There are local elections happening near where I live where the candidate for mayor, a guy who won't denounce when uh, there's a call for genocide on the streets of Indianapolis, Joe Hogsett, mayor of Indianapolis, running for his third term, murder's only gone up, crime's only gone up, and they're like, yeah, third term, why not? And you had these pro-Hamas protesters. They're not pro-Palestinian. They're pro-Hamas. And they're chanting from the river to the sea. That's a call to genocide. He doesn't say a word. But all his ads in running for re-election, he'll fight the Indiana abortion ban. Oh, holy hell, you're the mayor. How about fixing a pothole? Good Lord. You don't want to... So so, uh, there should be nothing but abortions because when you have a murder rate like you do, one way or another, you want to make sure you get them all. Is that the the plan, Uh, Mayor of Indy, Joe Hogsett? No? No? Okay. Good. I could have sworn that was the plan. So, you know, uh, they're, they're going to talk and scream and yell. No Democrat would be, no Democrat is going to vote for any Republican or would think that any Republican is acceptable. They're going to tell us that we've got Liz Cheney or Adam Kinzinger. Those are the options. Those aren't the options. Do I think Jim Jordan is the only option? Absolutely not. I don't. I think there were plenty of options. Plenty. But here we are. And I have no idea if the Republicans have the vote or not. But it's always important to remember where Democrats are. They don't object. They fall in line and they're really, really good at it. Super good at it. Which is why I cannot understand why the political right hasn't just beaten them to hell on the subject of Israel on the subject of the support of Hamas, from their Jew-hating members, from their anti-Semitic squad, and why Hakeem Jeffries, if he is so noble, hasn't done anything about that. 
hasn't questioned the lack of moral clarity in his party. The political right votes for Trump. Is, is, that, is, that, a, is that a rational response to having party members who support a terrorist organization? Well, they don't support it. They're, just, they're not saying anything about it. Oh, so they won't condemn it. Yeah, that's support. They won't condemn it. Silence is violence. You can't have it uh, both ways. This is the world you created. Now this is what goes on. That's all there is. Nothing more, nothing less. The speeches have been given. The names of the Honorable Jim Jordan, a representative from the state of Ohio, and the Honorable Hakeem Jeffries, a representative from the state of New York, have been placed in nomination. Are there further nominations? Ooh. There being no further nominations. No further nominations, which means nobody decided to put Kevin McCarthy up at all. The gentleman from New York, Mr. Morell. And now the voting begins. Mr. Lattermilk. The gentlewoman. Where is this going to go? How is this going to play out? Does Jordan have the vote? We're going to find out. All I know is, based on that speech from the left about Jim Jordan, now maybe I want to see it just for the fireworks. Oh, you know I like good fireworks and a good steak, good bourbon. Could use some cake. Banana pudding sounds really good. Excuse me, I've got work to do. This is Tony Katz today.